You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming to church today. It's good to have. Uh, it's good to be here with you guys. I'm really proud of the teens and uh, just their their hearts to serve this morning and uh, to get up here. It's not easy. Um, I'm going to move this. It's not easy at all. And if if you've ever been up here or taken public speaking, it's like one of the it's one of the biggest fears that people have is getting in front of an audience. And um, but it's cool that I mean, really, our audience is God and. And I'm, I'm just grateful for the teens that, uh, for all the teens. Um, and I appreciate Kimmy and, and Justin sharing just about camp, really exposing their hearts and what God is doing in them. Uh, that's not easy either. It's not easy being vulnerable. I'm really, really grateful for them. And uh, grateful for all of you because the teens are a product of what, of what you guys are, are, are doing behind the scenes, not only in their families, but you guys are helping raise all these teens, all these kids, and so it's, it's just really cool to see what God is doing through you. Um, so we're going to continue a series uh, called uh, Relationship, and Brian started the series with the innovation of loneliness, and last week Steve did a lesson on blue truth, and today the lesson title is Wireless Connection. Um, so, um, it, you know, it kind of fit in with the theme. Uh, we're going to be talking about just our relationships with one another and, uh, and really shifting if we need to, if we're feeling stuck in relationships, how we can shift and really make the most of our relationships with one another. Um, I want to share a story about uh, from the winter retreat. And like, like uh, Mike shared, there are tons and tons of stories and we would love to tell you guys um, afterwards or at a later time. But one story that I want to share is uh, we, we had this lesson, uh, I think Justin referred to it, we had this guy's lesson, and we were trying to find this yoga deck. You saw a picture of all of us kind of on this deck. We're trying to find this deck, and we, when we toured the property, we're, we went to it, but then I'm, I'm like stuck in the woods with these guys. I'm like, where is this yoga deck? This is so odd. So there's this hill, that, this like dirt path that goes down this hill and then kind of tucks into some woods. And so I'm like, I'm going to run down there and see if it's down there, and I'll be right back. So I run down there. It's a steep hill, and there's nothing down there. It's just like kind of abandoned stuff, and so I'm like, okay. And so I'm, I'm like running back up this hill, and then I have this great idea. I'm going to pretend like a bear's chasing me. And so all these guys are standing up at the top of the hill, so I turn the corner, and I'm screaming, run, there's a bear, run, 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 and I'm like, I'm like out of breath. I'm like, my voice is like scratchy because I'm sprinting up this hill at like 3,000 feet and I'm yelling and no one's moving. The guys are just like watching me run up this hill, (laughs) make a fool of myself. And I'm like, okay, they don't believe me. I'm going to really sell this one. And so I'm still yelling up until I get about five feet from them. I'm screaming and none of them move. And, and then I find, I'm like, guys, are you serious? Like, you didn't believe, they're like, no, we didn't believe you for a second. And so I'm talking to, I'm talking to Ryan. Um, apparently I need acting class or something. <laughs> but I'm talking to Ryan to me as we're walking to the yoga deck because I spotted it while I was down there. And I'm like, did you believe me for just a second? Like, was there anything in, he's like, no. I was like, why didn't you believe me? He's like, well, I, I couldn't see a bear and I couldn't hear it. So I didn't think there was a bear there. I'm like, okay. 
And so that kind, of, uh, that kind of ties in with the lesson. And the only point we have today is show me the love. Show me the love. Some of you remember a movie, Jerry Maguire? Show me the money. It's about showing, like prove it. Don't just say it. I want to see it. Ryan wanted to see the bear to believe that it was there. And I, I had no proof. But we're going to talk about how we can show one another love and how we can show God love. 1 John chapter 3. We'll start off with how we can show God the love. 1 John chapter 3. So this sermon series we're doing, Relationship, it's all out of the book of 1 John. And so we're in chapter 3 this week and Mark's going to go through chapter 4 next week. So we'll start here in verse 1. Okay, so it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. So I wanted to start off with something encouraging. God has nothing but love for us. And He calls us, our, he calls us His children. And this hits closer uh, to home for me because we're about to have our third kid. Catherine's got the contraction like timer on her phone right now. So I might have to dip out like in the middle of this lesson. But we're about to have our third kid. And I like I feel nothing but love for my kids. I'm so excited to meet our third child. But I'm so proud to be called the father of Zeke and Carrie and Jade or Levi. We're not sure what we're going to have. But I, I got nothing but love for my kids. And I just, I wear that title of father with just so much pride. And that's how God feels about us. He says, he says that we're his children and he's lavished his love on us. That's a, that's a pretty comforting and really special thing to think about, that that's our identity. God's children. Many people say that they love God, but it really comes down to the how. How are you showing God that you love him? Think about that. How? What, what actions? Because we can say, yeah, God, I love you. And then go do something that's totally different than showing God love. So how do you show God love? What would God say about your relationship with him? You know, relationships, there are always two sides to a story, right? right. Married, married couples, you know this. Like, no, this is what I said. No, this is how you said it. No, this is how I said it. There's always two sides to a story. And so you might feel like, oh, me and God, we are so tight. Like, I just love him all day long. But what would God say about your relationship? Maybe he'd agree. But what would God say about your relationship with him? Let's keep reading in chapter 3 in verse 4. So I wanted to start out with... Just the, the identity that we have as God's children, it's really encouraging because we're going to get into some kind of intense passages here. But it's good because we're a family and we can have talks like this. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. 
The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Amen. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. That's some intense passage right there. That's not, that, that's not easy to kind of bite off. You're like, oh man, like this, this passage, it, it can just get passed over very easily. Like, okay, let's get to the children part again. We're children of God or yeah, like I can love people. Um, but I want to read through this real quick. In terms of showing God the love and being a child of God, these are a few passages that we'll just look at real quick. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. This is how we can show God the love. No one who does what is right, uh, the one who does what is right is righteous. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. These are passages that, that, uh, that, Ways that we can show God the love that mark us as children of God. But not showing God the love, the, mark, uh, the, the things that mark us as children of the devil, that's scary to think about. We don't, we don't like talking about being children of the devil. But look what it says in verse 6. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Again, this is tough stuff. It's not easy for me to read it, and I'm sure it's not always easy for you to hear it. But this is God's word. God is full of truth and grace, and sometimes the truth part is hard to hear. We got to take these prickly scriptures along with the warm and fuzzy, we're children of God scriptures. So if you claim to love God, your life has to show it. You can't keep sinning. You have to do what's right. When it comes to loving God, it's not about, it's not just about the big things. You know, when we're, when we're in uh, conversations with each other and we're kind of sharing from our life and we're getting open, which is a great thing to do, being vulnerable with one another so we can help one another out. Oftentimes, maybe you can relate. It's about the big things. Well, this is the thing that I struggle with most. This is the thing that I'm dealing with most. This has been an issue in my life for so long and it, you know, the things that really feel like they're controlling us, but sometimes we don't talk about the small things, the things that no one else knows about, that maybe you overlook. You know, maybe it's shows that we're watching, that, you know, we're just clicking through the channels and maybe we stay on a show we shouldn't for a little bit too long. And you're, you know, you're like, ah, no one's going to know, or, okay, that's enough, and click. But even that little bit, we got to talk about those things. Maybe it's, you're sitting in a car, and you're getting angry at the person next to you or the person in front of you. And you say something you shouldn't. Or you just have this kind of fit of rage. It's kind of embarrassing as an adult to have this fit of rage and traffic. You're like, man, am I a kid again? But, but those are things we need to talk about. The way that we treat one another. The way that we treat our spouses and our kids. Sometimes the things that we say in our homes should not be said. And we really got to talk about it and, and get help. So I want to talk about the big things and the small things. If we're going to love God, we have to love God with everything we do, not just in the big ways, because the small things, the small sins, they'll add up. 
build up, they will build up, and if we don't deal with them now, they will become the big sin. They will become the things that truly control us. And if we want to be children of God, if we want to love Him with all of our being, we got to focus on all of it. So um, I want to I want to talk about. Um, let's see. Let me find my place here. Okay, so. Being controlled by the little and big sin, it doesn't have to be our constant reality. I know for me, sometimes I just feel like these, these things that have been in my life for a long time, I just feel controlled by them. I really appreciate what, uh, what Justin was sharing because sometimes we feel like this is always going to be me. Like I'm always going to be labeled as, as this person. Like I'm angry. I'm an impure person. I, I'm a prideful person. That's just always who I'm going to be whatever that may be for you. But we don't have to live in that. That doesn't have to be our reality. And I wasn't there last night, but Tim Summerlin, one of our brothers from the Denver church, he did a class. He has this great, um, this great program, and he was talking about identities. And he said that understanding our identity in Christ is what changes our behavior. Satan lies to us and tells us we're a failure. We're never going to be good enough. We're always going to be controlled by a certain sin. But look at verse 1. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. That's our identity. When you feel stuck in a sin, or when you feel like, man, I can't talk to anyone about this thing, if we look at who we are, and as, as God sees us, we're children of God, our actions, we can change our actions from there. We can repent. We can have victory because God loved us even when we were sinners. He called us children even when we were sinners. So to remember our identity, how God views us. Are you loving God in the little ways? Think about those little things that maybe came to mind when I was talking about the little ways. Are you loving God in the little ways? Are you choosing to do what's right, whether everyone will see it or no one will see it. There's a quote that says, like a, a proverb, I guess, the devil's in the details. Unfortunately, it's so true if we aren't intentional about loving God in the details. The thing about Wi-Fi, so we're going to bring it into this wireless connection, this title. The thing about Wi-Fi and wireless connection is that you don't necessarily see the connection, right? You don't, you don't see, like, you know, these signals going through the air. and You don't see the connection. You're not connected to some huge cable that everyone else can see. It's the same with our relationship with God. Loving God in the little ways. It's like finding a secret spot to pray where no one else can see you. No one sees that connection necessarily. But you're still connecting with God. You know, it's, it's fasting, but not announcing it to everyone. It's spending time with God on a daily basis. And that's between you and God. We don't have to be totally secret. Wow, I'm going to like knock this over. We don't have to be secret about our relationship. I'm not saying that like, okay, well, my relationship with God is my business and I'm not going to share it with you at all. And what I do with God, like you'll never know. No, but these, these secret things, these, these times of, of quiet intimacy with God, it's so important. It's so important. And people don't have to see it. And that's truly when we can love God most. When there aren't distractions. 
when we can have an intimate conversation with God, if the only time I spent with Catherine was in big groups of people where everyone could see it, we would not have a, a tight, connected, deep, in love with each other marriage, right? The same with God. We got to spend those special moments with him, with him where no one else can see it. It's just you and him. Um, I, you know, I thought of some ways that it's easy to kind of um, grade our relationship with God. You know, I come to church. I got a great relationship with God. Yeah, I give. I support my local church. Yeah, me and God, we're tight. Yeah, I'm a part of a Christian group on, on campus in high school and college. So, yeah, I'm doing better than most people. So I'd say my relationship with God is good. You know, the, some of these big things that are kind of obvious. But what about the little things? You know, I appreciate Justin. I asked him for permission to share about this. We had a study with him yesterday. And we, uh, Eddie gave him a challenge at the beginning of the week to, to read his Bible every day. Spend time with God every day until we met with him yesterday. And we asked him how it went, and he said, honestly, it was kind of awkward at times. It's, it's something that I'm, I'm learning how to do, just spend time with God. And he said it was awkward. Sometimes I didn't really know what to read or what to do, but he still did it, and he persevered. And that's showing God that you love him, yeah. even when it's awkward, even it's, when it's like, God, I don't feel a connection. There's nothing really here, but I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to open my Bible. I'm still going to pray because I want to love you. And so I appreciate his perseverance. Some of us just need to persevere. I love, I read this, uh, I think in the last lesson, maybe two lessons ago that I did. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Not enthusiastically, but earnestly. Not when it feels nice and convenient or, wow, the connection is totally there, but earnestly. It's a conviction. It's like, I'm going to do this because I want to love you, Lord. What decision will you make to show God you love him this week? This doesn't have to be a 20-step plan to intimacy with God. Just talk to him. Read the Bible. If you're studying the Bible, continue to pursue God. And set up another study with, with whoever you're studying with. Get help from each other with some of the smaller secret sin that maybe we haven't dealt with yet. You know, one thing that I have been doing, uh, at least I've been trying to do it, it's most of the time I do it, probably 80, 80, 90% of the time, but I have a paper Bible next to my bed. And, it, and in the morning when I wake up, I open that paper Bible, again, 80 to 90% of the time. Some mornings I don't, but I open the paper Bible. I don't, I don't grab my phone and, you know, look at the Bible app. I grab the paper Bible so there aren't any distractions. So I start my day with God. Even if it's just reading one, one verse out of, out of you know, Psalms and I go into the shower and I just kind of meditate on this verse. And then at night, that's, that's how I end my day. And I read this paper Bible. Now, it's not because I'm, you know, I'm awesome and I have a great relationship with God. I set this as a boundary because, because I needed my mindset on God first thing in the morning and I needed to end my day with God because... Dangers can happen late at night if we're staying up too late. So I was like, you know what? And this was something that Nick Galang, this was a challenge that he gave the whole teen camp. And that's when I started doing it. He said, this is what I do. And so just these little things, how, how will you show God that you love him this week? And remember that you are children of God. And that identity will help you do what's right. When you remember that you're a child of God.
Okay, let's transition to each other. Let's talk about how we can show the love to one another. 1 John 3, chapter, uh, verse 12. There it is. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So John gets kind of intense here. This, this guy who's all about love. I mean, he, his identity in the gospel of John was, was the disciple whom Jesus loved. But he gets kind of serious here and he starts talking about murderers and if we hate one another. And let's talk about it. At the root of all this, what is the difference between Abel, the righteous brother, and Cain, the murderer? Abel was a giver. Cain was a taker. Abel was selfless and he, he was never focused on himself. Cain was selfish. He was totally focused on himself. Abel gave the best of his flock to honor God. Cain took his brother's life to honor himself. A heart that leads, uh, a heart that gives leads to righteousness. A heart that takes leads to evil, even to murder. We don't ever want to think of ourselves as murderers, right? I don't, I, shoot, I, that's never been something that I've been concerned about. Like, I, I hope I don't become a murderer someday. But, but really at the core, when we hate one another, when we have bitterness towards one another, when, there is, when there's something that goes uh, kind of undealt with between a relationship, that's like murdering one another. We're taking, we're not focused on how we can give to the other person. We're, we're taking, we're protecting ourselves, protecting our reputation, protecting our feelings or our agenda or whatever it may be. To hate is to take, to love is to give. So John shows us the flip side of love. Love does not take. Verse 16. So how can we show each other that we love each other? Verse 16. It says, to this, uh, or this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Amen. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions... We have material possessions, material, material. Yeah. Um, if we have material possessions, which we all have, and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. As John describes what love is, he says nothing about emotions or feelings. Love is an action. Here's what love is. Jesus gave his life for you. If you want to love like Jesus, which Jesus is our standard, amen? Then you ought to lay down your life for the person sitting next to you. And when we think about laying down our life, at least when we look at Jesus and see what that meant for him, it literally meant his death on the cross. And we're like, wow, that's extreme. Like, so I, I have to die for the person next to me? Like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, it's extreme. So sometimes, at least for me, I can pass over this and think like, 
okay, laying down your life and loving, I don't, the connection really isn't there because I'm still going to like stay alive while I love this person. But, but really laying down, laying down our life, I want to take it to the little things again, just like some of the little sin can build up. Some of the little ways we love each other can build up. And that's really what can sustain our relationships and, and help us to go deeper is in the little things. And it's so interesting that, that John has this picture of Jesus dying for us, laying down his life for us. And then he says, you ought to do the same thing. But he immediately goes into, hey, do you have material possessions? And do you see a brother or sister in need? Will you give to them? Will you be a giver? I'm not talking about like dying for that person. I'm talking about giving. That's what John is talking about here. There are far too many people who claim to love but have nothing to show for except for words. And words fall flat without actions to back them up. Again, laying down our life doesn't have to be these elaborate acts of love, dying for someone or, or you know, whatever, buying a house for someone. It doesn't have to be these elaborate things. Um, it's often the little things that we do that really make the difference. Just like sin is sin, no matter how big or small. Love is love, no, ba- no matter how big or small. Are you loving each other in the little ways? Meeting little needs. It's walking into a situation or a group of people, a conversation with the mindset of, how can I give to those around me? If we all have that mindset, there will be nothing but love in our group, in our family here. And people will see it. They'll be like, I want to be a part of that because they're all about giving to one another. So when you walk into a group, are you thinking, how can I give right now? You might not know the need ahead of time. John talks about meeting the needs. We might not know what our brother or sister needs before we connect with them. But when we, when we have that mindset, I'm going to give and I'm going to engage with them. I'm going to see what's going on. We'll always find out the need. Amen. Love is love no matter how big or small. You know, I appreciate Ryan Toomey uh, because, you know, Ryan's a senior. He's been in the teen ministry for four years now. And he, uh, you know, he became a disciple last year. And there was such a huge change in his mindset. And he didn't tell us that there was a change in his mindset. Obviously, when you become a disciple, there's a change. But in the way that he approached the teen ministry, he didn't say it, but we noticed it. He is so about giving to people in the teen ministry. He's so about trying to help some of the younger guys and build them up and kind of point them in the right, in the right direction. Whereas for so many years, he was kind of on, on the outskirts, just there maybe wanting to be somewhere else. But there was a change. There was a shift in his mindset, in his mindset which shifted his relationships. I appreciate Ryan. They're out of town right now, but um, I still appreciate them. Um, but one way we can really love one another is by putting our phones down when we're talking with one another. Right? When we're face-to-face... <laughs> I don't know if uh, the clap was out of uh, being convicted or uh, pointing at, pointed at someone else. 
But, uh, but John says in verse 17, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? You know, I, w- I wanted to show this picture. Most of the new arrivals seem incapable of conversation. They just stare at their hands in despair. <laughs> You know, it says if you see the need, but let's be honest with each other. I I have fallen into this trap. Sometimes we don't even see that our brother and sister is standing in front of us because we're so focused on our device or our phone, let alone see their needs. So first we have to see one another so we can see the needs that are there. So let's let's, let's practice putting our phones away. It doesn't have to be all the time because there's a, lot, there's a lot of things that the phone is good for. But when we're face to face, even if you're doing something positive on your phone, you're sending an encouraging text, while you're doing that, you're simultaneously ignoring the person in front of you. Have, maybe, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I see that in the teen ministry. Catherine and I were texting in our house the other day. <laughs> Uh, she just wanted to give me space while I worked on my lessons, so I appreciate that. Um, but, uh, but, but let's, let's really uh, let's practice putting the phones down. Chick-fil-A is encouraging this. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah. Chick-fil-A is encouraging disengaging from the phone so you can engage with one another. There are 200 locations as of right now. There might be more. Um, but there, there's a box on the table, and it's called the Chick-fil-A Co-op. And it has a lid. It has, like, little handles and stuff so you can't easily grab the phone. And if your family or your friends, whoever's sitting at the table, if you put your phones in that box, close it up, and don't touch your phones for the entire meal, they'll, they'll give you all free ice cream. And they're encouraging to engage face-to-face with one another. If a company is doing this as an initiative, there must be an issue out there. You know, another thing, uh, and this might strike a chord with the teens more than uh, the rest of us, but let's talk about our headphones for a moment. Taking off your headphones to talk to the person next to you. I know, it seems like you, I might as well just die. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but taking off your headphones, it, it seems like such a small thing, but taking off your headphones is like laying down your life for the person next to you. (laughs) It's kind of cool to think about. Sure, listening to music, it it might meet our need for relaxation or just having a moment of of quiet, um, you know, to yourself. It might be easy. It might be more comfortable than trying to engage with the person next to you. But if we're really seeking to love each other and lay down our lives for for one another and really show the love, then that's an easy thing we can do. Just lay down the headphones, lay down your life <laughs> for the person next to you. What if laying down those headphones or putting down that phone for a moment to engage, what if that's what the person in front of you has been praying for? Just someone who cares. Maybe they've been feeling lonely. Maybe they've been praying for just a connection. Maybe they've been praying to have a relationship with God and they just don't know where to start and you talking to them is really what they need. So let's, uh, let's really show the love in the way we engage with one another face-to-face. Another way we can do this is serving the poor and needy. 
You know, there are so many opportunities that we have here in the South Bay, um, whether it be through Hope Worldwide or just things, uh, projects, ways that you guys have found on an individual basis to just serve those around us. This is what Jesus did on, an, on a daily basis. He walked, he, you know, he woke up in the morning. Some nights he just stayed up all night praying, but he would get up. He's like, how can I give to anyone I encounter today? And he'd get his hands dirty. He'd get messy. He'd get in really awkward conversations with people. But, but he, he didn't care about any inconvenience or awkwardness. He had the mindset of giving. So I want to ask you guys, how, this question, how can I give right now? This is the question that we should all be asking when we enter any situation, any conversation, any church service, any time we get home, uh, we get home at the end of a long day from work, any time we get home from school, teens. This question should be the compass that guides our actions. And if we truly follow through with this question, how can I give right now and seek to be givers, then we will show the love. We'll show the love to God and we'll show the love to each other. We're in just a moment, we're going to have wine. One of our teens come up and share. So I think she's over there. <laughs> that was her cue. Um, but, but as we transition into communion, really talk about Jesus and how he did this. Jesus was the perfect example of being a giver to meet the needs and show the love in all circumstances. When he engaged with people, he was so in the moment. He looked them in the eyes. It's kind of weird, right? Eye contact for that long, but Jesus looked them in the eyes. He got his hands dirty. He welcomed those awkward conversations and the inconvenience for the sake of loving those around him. He listened to and spent time with demon-possessed people, with sick people, with people that hated him, with annoying people, with people that no one else liked. He hung out with the imperfect, even though he was perfect. He loved sinners, even though their sin would kill him. In verse 2, it says, We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And verse 5, he appeared so that he might take away our sins. Jesus gave his life to take away our sins. He gave his blood to make us pure. If we choose to be givers in this life, then we will be like Christ when we see him face to face in heaven. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.